We're in Isaiah 58th chapter. How's your fasting going? Is it going? Uh, let me, let me, I've, I've been transparent. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm, I said I'm going to do 21 days. I did five without eating anything. And then on the sixth day, Pastor Roy rested. No. I got to where I couldn't do anything. I mean, I, was, I would get up and I'd walk around. And I'm going to sit down again. And I knew I was going to be preaching. So Friday night I had some food. And I had some squash. And it was like manna from heaven. And I don't even really like squash. <laughs> no, I do like squash. But listen, you say, oh, Pastor, you didn't know? Do I feel guilty? Not at all. I was going to preach. I had to have some energy. I needed to do some things. I started again today back on it. So if you slip up, start again. There's, you understand? It's not about guilt. It's not about you're not bound to something and you find out that you can't do something, then, then begin again. Amen. Why are we doing it? That's what I want to talk about today from Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah 58. I believe completely through and through that God has some things he wants to do. Say amen if you believe that. I don't believe that COVID-19, certainly it's a virus, certainly, I don't think it's all spiritual, but God uses the natural things in our world to push us towards spiritual things. And I believe this season is for a purpose, and I believe it's going to do some really good things in our lives if we will refocus our minds on what God wants to do. Isaiah 58 is probably the most well-known section of scripture in the Bible when you talk about fasting. Now, I'll have to confess I have never spent as much time studying fasting uniquely as I have over the last few weeks getting ready for this 21 days. And I've never studied Isaiah 58 as much as I did in depth in preparation for this message. I want to read to you 12 verses from the 58th chapter of Isaiah. And I'm going to read them in the New Living Translation this morning. I usually read in the ESV. So if you've only brought the ESV, I apologize. Most of you have an electronic Bible anymore and you can switch over, but I wanted this to be as plain as it could be, and the New Living Translation is much more, uh, much more modern English than the ESV. Beginning in verse 1, the Lord through the prophet Isaiah writes this, shout with the voice of a trumpet blast, shout aloud, don't be timid, tell my people Israel of their sins, yet they act so pious, they come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. The people say this, we have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why I respond. That's the Lord speaking. It is because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly in prison. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. 
Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in need. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Father, we ask you this morning. Lord, we so desire that revival would sweep our nation. Lord, I'm completely convinced the answer for the racial tension in our world that we've talked about so many weeks, it's not in the government, it's not in legislation, it's in the body of Christ. We hold the key, Father, to revival. We hold the the key to seeing lives spring out of death into life. We alone, Father, can contain the anointing of God that brings reconciliation and brings hope and brings life and brings peace, Father. We alone are your ambassadors to this world. So Holy Spirit, challenge us today. Touch us. Open our eyes, Father. Holy Spirit, you do what only you can do. Thank you, Father, for hearing me in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you've ever read this section of Scripture before. If you're a student of the Bible, you have probably heard it many times. Let me tell you real quickly, though. We'll come back to this in a second. How I had for many years thought about what fasting was. What's it for? We as a church people, we we really don't don't practice fasting a lot. Maybe some of you do individually, but in the church world today, fasting is not something that we talk about a lot. But every time I have thought about it and every time that I have just, just contemplated it, I had sort of put it into a particular category in my life. It was a little bit like this. As it related to who fasted, in my mind, maybe not yours, but in my mind, there was sort of Christians and then there were fasters. You know what I'm talking about? There were those Christians and then there were those like super Christians and they fasted all the time. Anybody with me in that thought? It's kind of how you thought of it. Fasting was like that supercharged Christianity. Those are the really serious Christians. Those are the, those are the mature. Those are the Sunday school teaching Christians. Come on, you with me? That's kind of where I had it in my mind. What was the purpose of it? That's who did it. What was the purpose of it? It was was like if you were to give needs a a number value, one to ten. Like just praying about things could get you to like number five. But, But when you got into those real needs, those big needs, those really serious needs, those circumstances. that I mean, were you really, listen, when you really got desperate, what would you do? You would, you'd fast. When you really needed something to happen, when you really wanted God to come through on your behalf, you wouldn't just pray. You'd pray and you would you'd start fasting. Why? Because we all know that God sort of only meets level five needs. But when you really, if you want God to do a six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you got to, right? It was like fasting was a bigger lever. If I, if I fast, God will do more for me. Now, this is not how you Christians thought, but this is how heathen Roy thought. Pastor Heathen Roy, right? That if I fast, God will do bigger things. And we might even, we might not even say that, but that's sort of where that was in my mind. Anybody want to admit your heathenness? That's not a word, but it's good, isn't it? Your heathenness with me. That if I really need something 
And watch this. Or if I really wanted to demonstrate my love for God. I mean, fasting was the parallel of the red roses I give my wife on our anniversary. Almost like saying, you know, I loved you all, but I really want you to know it. I want to see what I mean. So I go buy roses. Fasting is like the roses in my spiritual relationship. Listen, I, I, I was okay with you the rest of the time, Lord, but I really want you to know I love you. So I bought you some fasting. You got it? Anybody, anybody want to admit with me that that's sort of where fasting was in your theology? No, you're shaking your head. I want to see your hands because I want to make sure I'm not the only heathen in the room. Amen? That's kind of where we were with it. And then I begin to read the 58th chapter of Isaiah. I want you to know that the people being spoken about in Isaiah 58, the way we've just described fasting, that's exactly how they thought about it. We're doing these things on the outward part of us. We're not fasting. In fact, they say, look, look how hard we've been on ourselves. Lord, I did five days. I didn't eat a peanut. I'm telling you about day four, a spoon, I would have given you $100 for a tablespoon of peanut butter. You know what I mean? A green bean, a raw green bean started looking good. Anybody with me? I don't even like liver. I think I would have eaten fried liver and onions. What's all that about? This group of people that Isaiah is writing about, that the Lord is speaking about, they had made fasting some outward expression in order to get God to notice them, to garner his attention, to get their prayers heard more, more succinctly, to have God do something that he wouldn't do. And the Lord says, listen, you have missed the most fundamental part of what we're doing in church. I want to make sure we don't miss it. So often when people read this section of scripture or when they think about fasting, they believe that the result of fasting is external to them. It gets God to do something. It causes spiritual circumstances to move out of the way that wouldn't be moved otherwise. It causes prayers that maybe wouldn't have gotten answered to get answered. And I want you to know there is no substance for a God who sort of plays hide and seek with you and says, listen, I was going to, sometimes I'll answer your prayers but other times, if you don't really notch it up, I'm not going to hear you. There is something in here about your prayers not being heard. But it's not about your effort. It's not about this external thing. There is something that garners the attention of God. And fasting brings you there. But you've got to make sure you get this in the right order. I want you to know in this section of Scripture and in what we're doing right now, we... We are not waiting on God's hand to move on something external, on non-believers, on the world. Lord, when you, when you begin to move, all the racial tension in the world is going to disappear because revival is going to grip the unbelievers and suddenly their hearts are going to change. Oh, I love that prayer. There's just nothing in the word that says revival begins with unbelievers. That this whole section... The thing that we're asking God to do is not have his hand move on non-believers. We are waiting on God's hand to move on us. Amen? Why? Because fasting is intended to result in transformation. Yours and mine. Fasting is intended to result in your and my transformation before it does anything else. 
There's some things in this 58th chapter that I want to show you, and I want to try to be quick because I want us to pray for a little while at the end. There's some things that fasting begins to transform that are seen in this section of Scripture. What are they? Number one, your work and your money. This section of Scripture, the Lord said, even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. In other words, you say you want me, but the thing that is the most important to you is a dollar. You, you, you're, you're, you're oppressing your workers. We live in a different day. We're much more, much more transactional. We're much more economic. They were more agrarian, more locked to the land. And what, what he's saying is that, listen, you're coming in. You're asking me to bless you. You're asking me to be your God. You're asking me to, to do things for you. But at the same time, you're in the temple asking me to bless you. But the day before, you were out in the, out in the field being harsh, oppressing those that were serving you. And you've not allowed me to transform your heart so that you become the person that I want you to be. You're oppressing people with how you're behaving, with how you're speaking, with how you're living. People oppress their workers because they're more concerned with making money than they are for caring about those around them. We may not be oppressing workers in the field, but the Lord wants to transform who we are in our work, in our jobs. I used to have an individual that I ministered to, and it was with regularity that this individual would tell me, listen, pastor, there's church, and then there's business, and this is business, not church. Believers, you want to see revival in the land, God has to touch every part of your life. Every part of our lives have to be submitted to him. Every aspect of your life. You can't have a peace that you say, now listen, I do this church thing, but God needs to leave this alone because I can't, I can't engage in this like what the Bible says and make money or do relationships or do work. I want you to know that's a lie from the devil. What the Lord is reporting in this section of scripture is that when you fast, I want to transform every part of your life. He says, secondly, your relationships. He says, what good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? These, the people were coming, they were fasting, they were pressing into God, and then they were just contentious all the time. They were just constantly, it would seem, within the body, they were quarreling and fighting with one another. What does the Lord want to do? He wants to start changing your life, all of us. We all have this propensity to want what we want, to do what we want, to, to get what we want, to present our point of view as the most authoritative. And the Lord says, listen, You've got to allow me. If you're going to press into my presence, if you're going to fast, I want to transform you so that instead of being right, you submit your rights. Wouldn't the world, think about the issues in our world today. What would the world be like if people started saying, hey, listen, it's not about me right now, it's about you. It's not about what I need. It's about what you need. It's not about my circumstances. It's about what you're going through. And the Lord says, in this fasting, I want to transform the way you do relationships. I don't want you to be fighting and quarreling and then coming before me. You need to let me transform you so that you lay all of that aside. He even goes so far as to say that that's the reason that your prayers aren't being heard. Anytime I read something and it's God talking and he says, I won't hear your prayers... I have people ask me a question pretty regularly. Pastor, 
How come we used to see more miracles in the past? Did you ever think maybe it's because you're fighting and quarreling too much and God's not hearing your prayers? Oh, no, that's, I would never tell somebody that. Well, Isaiah did. You're just too contentious. You're too centered on yourself. You're too, you're too always having to shape the world to what you need. You, you can't see that there might be other circumstances, other people's perspectives, other things. Let me transform your heart so that you begin to serve and begin to think about what other people need to be and what they need to hear and what they need you to be in their lives. There's some results of fasting that are listed in here. Listen to these. Loosening the bonds of wickedness, undoing the yoke of sin, setting the oppressed free, generosity springing up for the poor, being aware of the needs of those around you. Here's the thing. Many people preach Isaiah 58 as if those are all spiritual things that God is supposed to do in response to people fasting. Listen, when we fast, God's going to break the yoke of bondage off. Yes. And when we fast, yes. But every one of those statements in Isaiah 58 is a statement made from the Lord instructing the people to do those things. You loosen the bonds of wickedness on people. You undo the yoke of sin that you've placed on them. You set those that you've oppressed free. You set them free. You say, Pastor, I don't have anybody oppressed. Really? You got anybody that you're not forgiving? Who's done you wrong? The most common conversation that I have in my office, by far, when people come in, they say, Pastor, I need to talk to you about something. The most common conversation I have is that they'll come in and someone has done something Something in a, a, a marital, con, a, a divorce context, a business context, a, a, a child rearing context, a, a, a money context, doesn't matter. And somebody's done something and they are eaten up. They are being eaten up with just the consequences of that legitimate now transgression. Somebody, somebody did something and 10 out of 10 people, if you told it to them, they would all go, that's a rat. <laughs> you, they did you wrong. Here's the problem. The rat's not suffering. The rat's not, but but there is an oppression that comes in that. And until the transgressed party, until the one that's in the righteous position extends forgiveness, there's an oppression that lives in that. And you can't ask for the Lord to pour out revival across the land. You can't ask him to pour his anointing on things until you and I are transformed in a way where we say, Lord... I set them free. You say, well, if I set them free, they get off completely free. No, they don't. God's God's still going to pour out judgment one day. Just because you forgive them doesn't mean that the Lord has yet. Amen? And how many of you think that maybe the Lord's a much better punisher than you and I? You, so there's an oppression that comes. The Lord says, let me deal with your heart and quit being oppressed. Quit oppressing others. He talks about a generosity with the poor. Here's the thing that we miss. We, we forget that each of those is a statement to you and I. These verses actually indicate that transformation comes to us through fasting. And then there's some things that happen. Watch this. You begin to fast. God begins to deal with you and me. Do you know why fasting is miserable? It's not the hunger. I don't like hearing what the Lord tells me about me. How about you? You don't like what the Lord's telling you about me either? If the Lord, if you, if there's not, listen, 
Here, here, if there's not some things in you, if there's not some things going on in you right now, seven days into this, where your spirit is troubled about what you've allowed in you, then you're not fasting. You're kind of recreating. You're kind of giving up asparagus for a week or something. I don't know. Because when you begin to fast and you begin to press into the Lord, the very first thing he does, yes, your body grows weaker, but your spirit becomes troubled about where you are. You say, but I love the Lord. I love the Lord too, but I don't love him as much as I can. You say, well, I've sacrificed some things for the Lord. I've sacrificed some things for the Lord too, but I've not yet sacrificed what I can. If I'm a five, he wants me to be a six. If you're a 23, he wants you to be a 25. It doesn't matter where you are. When you begin to fast, the Lord's gonna, you ever go to the doctor and you say, doctor, it hurts right there. What's the first thing he does? He presses, that's, it hurts right there. Yes, I know. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. He identifies that thing that is the most troubling you, the most worrying in you, and he presses on it until you say, enough. Heal it, Lord. Heal it. Set me free from it. And you begin to be transformed in your innermost being. When that begins to happen, then listen to these verses. Now, let me read them to you again. He says this, free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. You and I do those things. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. This next one is really interesting to me. Any of you got some relatives that you hope don't come to Thanksgiving dinner? Any of you? Any of you got that one, that one youngest brother who's never got a job and he's always needing money and when you see his number pop up on the deal, you go, well, I ain't got time to answer that call. See, I can, I can see some of your faces right now. You're not, you're not raising your hand, but you know you're guilty. You got that one cousin, that one uncle, that you know, weird uncle, whoever. When I read that verse, I went, oh, come on, Jesus, are you kidding me? Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Yeah, mm, mm, mm. that's right, Nisi. All right, mm, mm, mm. Watch this. Any of you feel convicted in that? Come on, I don't want to be the only heathen in the room. You feel that. You, there are just people that just, mm, 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 mm. Come on, say amen. Okay, listen, I'm, do you hear amen? Did she say amen? Well, Jax, amen, brother. Preach with me, man. I thought that was, Evan, I thought, I thought that was y'all's baby. Did that baby just say amen? That was like, whoo. I didn't know it was Jackson. I thought, oh man, she's not even talking words yet. Did I was about to have revival there. All right. Whoo, Jesus. Listen. I'm not, it's, it's, listen, it doesn't have to be a relative. Is there something? Is there a thing in your life that is just your sore spot? It's your, it's your blind alley. It's your, it's the darkness in your life. It's the thing that causes you to that anxiety just wells up in you anytime you get near it. it. It causes great fear. It causes great anger. It causes great hurt. Something. Whatever that is, you start fasting. The Lord's going to transform you in that area. You say, I don't want to be transformed. Exactly. Exactly. 
The transformation happens in you and me. Verse 8, when, listen, when that happens, when you surrender it, when you lay it down, fasting is going to bring it to the top. When it is identified and you finally say, because your flesh has finally gotten weak enough for you to tell the Lord, okay, Lord, here it is. You can do with it whatever you want. Do with me what you want. Verse 8, then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Isn't that good? You got to fast it into the open. The Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. Eventually, you got to quit clutching at it and let it go. And then healing comes quickly. And then watch this. Man, I could preach a week on this next verse. I love this. I love this. I'm living this. Your godliness will lead you forward. And the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. What does that mean? Any of you got a past? All them crazy relatives that you got? All them circumstances that that boss that you've been, you know what I mean? You've been that, that, that job, that company, that whatever it is. You don't know what to do about it. You don't know how to proceed. You don't know. You begin to fast. I can, I can make you a list of the things over the last seven days that I begin to fast about and I begin to pray about and I already begin to see the Lord leading me forward. This is how you should go. This is what you should do. This is what your future is going to entail. This is where I want you to put your foot. This is how I want you to speak. This is the decision I need you to make. Why? Because your godliness leads you forward. You begin to lay those things down and you're not making decisions based upon the circumstances that have constrained you about the oppressive things, about the fearful things, about the worry about what this thinks or, or that person thinks. Or Listen, it's the godliness, it's the spirit of God that has healed that area and then you begin to move forward in confidence in righteousness where you used to only respond out of fear or anger or jealousy or something. Godliness now leads you forward and... His glory protects you from your past. What's behind you? Yeah. Woo, Joe, say it again. Amen. You're led forward by godliness and what was behind you, His glory protects you from. Anybody got anything behind you that you just assume the Lord protected you from it? It's not just, it's your attitudes, it's your heart, it's that thing. It's the man returning to his vomit like the scripture, like a dog returns to his vomit. So is a man who returns back to his sin. You're not going back there. You're not going to be that person again. The glory of the Lord's going to protect you from that. You're going to be led forward in godliness. All of that happens when you begin to fast as the Lord wants you to. Watch this. You start living like that. You let the Lord deal with the things he wants to deal with. Verse 9 says, then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. You won't wonder where the Lord is. He'll be right there. He says, then remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Did you notice it doesn't say vicious, untrue rumors? Suddenly your countenance is going to change. You're not going to be the fault finder in everybody else's life anymore. See how the transformation needs to begin in the body of Christ? Come on, say amen. 
Fasting begins to bring all that out. You're not going to be pointing your finger and spreading the rumors. Suddenly, in replace of that, you're going to be the person feeding the hungry and helping those in trouble. And when you do that, oh man, I love this. Then your light will shine out from the darkness. And listen to this promise. And the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. In other words, whatever was your dark space, whatever was the thing that was the most oppressive, that was the most binding, that was the most fearful, the thing that was the greatest darkness in your life, that will now be as bright as noonday. Here's my question. If your darkness is bright as noonday, what's your brightness like? If the thing that was the worst moment in your life is now so illuminated by God that it's as bright as noonday, what's it going to be about when you're operating in your strength? In the area where you were weak and you were broken and you were defiled, that becomes as bright as noonday. What's the area where God's anointed rests on that thing where you were already an overcomer? The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Doesn't that sound like how we ought to live? That sounds like John 10.10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and that abundantly. That sounds like a well-watered spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. What's the body of Christ's role? Sometimes it feels like any time evangelicals begin to open their mouth and they begin to speak on a national stage, it's to tell everybody where they're wrong. This says that you and I are supposed to walk into the world and rebuild things. What's your tact in life? Are you a builder or are you a terror downer? (laughs) I don't know what the word for that is. Do you... Do you build up or do you tear down? Do you, do, you, do you encourage or do you discourage? Do you bring life or do you bring death? Are you a finger pointer or are you a hand extended? You begin to fast. The Lord's got some things he wants to do in you and I. He says when that begins to happen, you're going to be a person who rebuilds the deserted ruins of your city. That sounds like exactly what the world needs today, doesn't it? A whole bunch of people walking around with the anointing of God on them so powerfully that they walk around rebuilding what was deserted. They take ruins and they make them livable, breathable, life-giving places. I love this. And then you will be known. What people will think about you, what they'll know about you is that you're somebody who comes in and rebuilds the walls and you restore homes instead of tearing them down. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. Don't hide from your needy relatives. Stop pointing out other people's faults. Stop spreading rumors. Feed the hungry. Help those in need. And when you have this transformation come to you and I, then God will provide salvation that comes quickly. He'll heal your wounds, lead you forward in righteousness, protect you from your past, and respond quickly to your prayers. Your darkness will be as bright as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually. He'll provide for you. You'll have life springing up around you and you'll be used to bring life back to others. Now that's what fasting is supposed to do. Now who wants to fast? Stand with me if you would. Worship team, come back.
That's what it's for. It's not about moving. Will God respond to us? Yes. But the first work is not one by which God changes the world around us. The first work is where he changes us. Father, this morning, we set our face to know you, Lord. We set our eyes upon you. Transform us, Lord. Take us beyond our personality. Lord, we blame all kinds of things on our personality. Well, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just a sanguine person. I'm just, a, I'm just phlegmatic. I'm just whatever, Father. Mm. Holy Spirit, bring us to a place where we are honest before you and where you can do a work in us that will bring life and hope and joy and peace and rest to those we come in contact with. Mm. Father, we come to your altar this morning. We bring ourselves and we lay ourselves on it. Lord, we're in week two. Some haven't even yet engaged in this. They just dismissed it. That's not for me. It's for somebody else. Holy Spirit, that's your business, not mine. Would you transform your people? If we're to see a revival, Lord, in the river bend, and I believe you want to do it, if we're to begin to see COVID-19 is something other than just what it's taken from us and I believe you want us to if we're to step into the divine moment of God and I believe we're supposed to individually so that our homes would be transformed so that our work would be transformed so that joy might spring out from us if we're going to do those things Father we have to begin we have to be serious about you Stir your people. Stir me. Here's what I'd like for you to do before Otis starts singing. First of all, I'd like for you to reestablish your commitment to this fast. Lord, I'm in. It's week two. Week two will be harder than week one was. If you haven't already had the Lord begin to reveal things to you that he wants to work on. Not, not that your boss needs you to work on. Not that your husband or your wife wants you to work on. Not that I want you to work on. But that he wants to do in you. If you haven't had a heartfelt moment with the Lord yet. And you hadn't started yet. Start this morning. Because the transformation of the people of God results in the light's bringing forth, salvation coming quickly, and the wounds not only yours, but the wounds of our nation being healed. Come on, do your part. Bring yourself to the altar this morning. Tell the Lord, I'm in, Father. Tell Him you want Him to transform you.
Tell him you want to become the man or the woman that he wants you, that he's created you to be. Quit living in your weakness. Let the Lord make the darkness as bright as noonday in you. Good Father.